0: to the Film School for Marketers podcast. This is episode number 32, and we're so honored that you're here to spend some time with us today. As always, I am one of your hosts, Zach Basner, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Mr. Will Schultz. How's it going, guys? And not only that, but we've also brought on a special guest to talk with us today about leveling up your video production quality. He's really a great example of a world-class videographer, the company that he works for is a great example of a company that's truly embracing "they ask you answer" and becoming the best visual educator in their space. You may have seen some of his work if you've if you're a member of the Film School for Marketers uh, Facebook group, or if you've just been around seeing what we're doing over here. Uh, so we've brought on Mr. Thad Barnett from Sheffield Metals.
1: Zach, Will, thanks for having me on the podcast. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, man, I'm really excited because one. I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while, and so now's our time, Uh, but also considering you've had, you know, some pretty good success with video at Sheffield, um, it's afforded you opportunities and uh, experiences and things that I think would be of tremendous value to share with the listeners. And so Thad, you've got the Metal Roofing channel on YouTube, and that's where a lot of content's being published. What else are you producing videos for besides just uh, YouTube content?
1: Yeah, so we do a mix of things, both internally and externally. Uh, Devin, who you had on a previous episode, is the videographer for the lifting and rigging side of the business. I do all the videos for the metal side of the business. So again, it's a mix of uh, employee training, um, you know, landing page videos, web page videos, Uh, anything internal and external, as I mentioned, and then YouTube as well. So a wide range and a lot of uh, different types of video content.
0: And similar to Devin, when you started, there was no videographer, there was no existing, really very serious video efforts. And so, you know, you kind of had to build that from scratch. What were some of the things that you had to accomplish first off to, to get started with production, to have a production quality that you were happy with? Did they already have equipment? Did you have to buy all new stuff? And like, what, did, what were your major considerations while you were first adopting video at Sheffield?
1: Sure. Well, uh, as you mentioned, yeah, Devin started first uh, in, at the company. He's the senior videographer. He did a great job of, of setting a base level and kind of, uh, you know, pushing the company culture in the right direction with video and and that's so valuable and for me coming in uh, you know a fresh fa- a fresh face into the video uh, world here at Mazzella, um that was very helpful for me because uh, everyone already kind of knew where the company was headed and what the goals were uh, now my job was to come and take the video production from the metal side of the business and take that completely over so Devin could focus on the lifting and rigging side of the business. Um, additionally uh, Devin comes from a journalism background. I come from a film and corporate video background. So another big job that I had was taking our video production as a whole and really raising the bar and, and getting the, to that next level. So uh, we had some equipment um, that were was here when Devin got here, the company already owned. Um, and so we used that for a little bit, uh, but it wasn't quite to the quality where I knew that we could get to. Um, even by just making a small investment. Uh, and so I pitched it to the company. Um, we bought a couple of DSLRs, and, and that got us started uh, on that journey to leveling up our video production as a whole, and then as a byproduct Sheffield Metals.
0: Yeah, y'all have got like a Batman and Robin thing going on over there. I'll let you yeah. all decide who's Batman. I'm not going to get involved in that. Oh, so, I'm Batman. <laughs> so before we talk about all the things that you're doing really well, and all the positive feedback and everything that you've gotten from really just continually leveling up the production value in, in the videos has there been any point along this journey in which you've had negative feedback or poor feedback from viewers or from people within the company I think it's something that you know would be beneficial for for the listeners to to hear and what did you learn from those things because I imagine there's there's has to be some stories along the way right
1: for sure yeah and you know like like you said we have a, a really Great YouTube channel called the Metal Roofing Channel, and part of what makes that so successful is the community. Um, it's something that didn't really exist before on YouTube, as far as metal roofing installers and manufacturers go. They didn't really have a, um, you know, a lot of great video content out there. So when we started creating content putting it on YouTube, um, it was, you know, really well received within the community, uh, but when you have people that are passionate about their industry and are passionate about the way they do things, you're obviously going to run into uh, roadblocks along the way. So, you know, we've had hundreds and hundreds of comments over the last year and a half since we started the YouTube channel. And um, some of them has been good, and then some haven't been good. We've put out a couple videos on some controversial topics, and, and that's, you know, bound to stir the hornet's nest. So Um, We've had a few comments about uh, B-roll. That's one thing that I learned early on. Uh, We have a segment called Q&A Mondays uh, where I sit down with a panel of experts and and discuss some basic questions, kind of like this podcast is now. Um, And when I first started, you know, it was was mainly to help my production flow and to get something out quickly. And one of the major pieces of feedback was nobody wanted to watch the video because there was no B-roll in it. And so that really kind of opened my eyes to – the importance of B-roll over every type of video that you produce, not just the the ones that you'd expect. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense when you think about it, especially in that panel type discussion when you're talking about something technical or you're talking about something visual, having that visual aid uh, really helps you take that video to the next level.
2: Yeah, Thad, I think you mentioned something really interesting and it's something that I talk a lot about with, with my clients right now, especially the ones that are in service-based industries is what their average cut length is within a video. Because that plays a huge role in, in audience retention for, for how long people are actually going to be able to stay focused on your content. You want them to, to set them up for success in, in being able to stay focused and actually take in the information that you need them to know for them to actually move down your sales funnel. I'm, I'm curious because you've been doing this for long enough now What specifically has changed within your pre-production process since starting this? And maybe this stuff that changed in month six or year one, but what have you started to do? What have you stopped doing in your pre-production?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And one thing that I wanted to do uh, right at the beginning when I started this whole journey was make sure that I could stay consistent with my publishing um, and make sure that I could maintain my production level while maintaining consistency. So a couple things really important that I did with my pre-production process was to make types of videos that I knew I could do on a regular basis and keep high quality. So that's why that Q&A Monday type video uh, was so important because uh, we release on Mondays and Wednesdays on YouTube. So that Monday video is a panel discussion, so it's easy to shoot, easy to edit. And then once I had some B-roll over it, it turns out to be a great video and it, it turned out to be you know really successful within the industry. So that on Wednesday, that video could be much higher production level and I could focus on that Wednesday video. So having the differentiator between those two types of videos and those two different release days uh, helped me stay consistent over the last year and a half and, and helped me maintain my production level overall.
0: You have a few different styles you do as well, Thad. So, so that Q&A Mondays is like a like a table discussion. Yep. And then you've had some uh, talking head where you're actually, you're standing in front of like a TV and then you've got interviews, like you have so many different styles. So besides the, the panel discussions being a little easier to to produce on a regular basis, which style do you think has been the most
1: effective overall? You know, the most effective style that I've found is, is the hands-on style. Uh, and part of that is because of the persona that we are trying to go after. Uh, We have personas like uh, contractors, manufacturers, people that are on job sites uh, out in the field every single day, working on rooftops, working on construction sites. Um, So first of all, they don't have a ton of time if they're looking for an answer to a question. And Will, this comes back to your point earlier. Um, They don't have a ton of time, so they want their answer fast. And secondly, they want to be able to see what Is going on they want to be able to see their answer visually Uh, and part of that is b-roll but part of that is me being on site as well and talking to the people that actually know what they're doing and and showing the the answer you know in a visual way and that's not only helped uh, viewership but it's helped you know my personal credibility and and people help trust me in my videos because you know I'm there right alongside everybody else um, talking about the topic, doing the work, um, actually being a part of the industry and not just sitting in a conference room.
0: Where'd you get that inspiration to, to do those like hands-on out in the field type of videos? Because again, to your point earlier, there was nobody else that was doing this really well. So where did you get the inspiration to do these different styles and, and test new things?
1: Uh, Dirty jobs, micro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He, I would, you know that's a great example of a show that, that really takes you know the host and, and puts him into a position where you know he can talk to the people who do that every single day, um, show what they do every single day, and then provide some kind of credibility and trust and really uh, offer a great personality because he's right there alongside of them. Um, so that you know he was great inspiration. Uh, Matt Reisinger. Uh, on YouTube is a general contractor who has a YouTube channel has been around for like 10 years. Um, He does a lot of hands-on stuff out in the field on, on job sites um, really showing the work. So that was another big inspiration for the channel. And I knew that that was the kind of video that would, you know, people would respond to and people would trust and, and like to watch. So
0: speaking of Matt Reisinger, you had him on an episode of the metal roofing channel, recently. Yeah. And then you were on his channel as well. So tell yes. us about that.
1: Yeah. Uh, that was, that was huge. Uh, we got to a point, uh, in the growth of our channel where I was like, you know, I think something that would take us, you know, give us the next step that we want to take would be to have some collaborations with, um, other people in this industry, in this space. And, uh, you know, the first person I thought of was Matt Reisinger because, you know, he was a big influence on the channel. So that was huge. Uh, It gave us, you know, not only a huge boost in subscribers and views, uh, but again, that credibility, um, that entry into a a broader industry, because he does all types of construction, not just metal roofing like Sheffield does. uh, And that really opened us up to a whole new audience. So if, you know, if you have a YouTube channel or you're, you're doing videos, having a collaboration with someone who's, you know, in a similar space, Uh, but not too similar, you know, uh, uh, having a collaboration with someone like that who can get you into a broader audience, an audience that, um, you know, you might not have been able to, uh, to find otherwise, Uh, it was the same kind of principle as as doing a guest blog, you know, back, back when uh, doing guest blogs were really important, you know, in building your, your subscriber base as a blog writer, Uh, same thing goes for YouTube, you know, Uh, having those collaborations and really opening up yourself and your channel to that space um, is huge. You brought
2: up a cool point about the community that you've really built behind the Metal Roofing channel. And I think this is something that really only comes to fruition for people that have been doing this for a good chunk of time and have seen the traction already. But I think it's important to to tell people that are starting this journey of creating videos for their industry to remind them essentially that what they're trying to do is to become the most trusted voice in their space, which should be seen as this industry-wide topic. and. A lot of businesses that are just getting started out are trying to figure out the perfect video for their sales team and they are asking me whether or not it makes sense to brand their video with their logo or, or not. And I always bring it back to the, the conversation around, you want your competitors to be excited to use the content that you're creating right now. If, if you're doing that the right way, then that's how you're sort of becoming this echelon higher than a direct competitor with someone. You're now the information publisher for an entire industry. And I think that's an important point that you touched on there, to, to talk a little bit more about building that sense of community within your channel, not just for your own salespeople, but for the, the industry as a whole to utilize.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And one of the big pushes for especially the second half of 2019, you know, straight from our CEO and straight from our leadership team, uh, you know, we wanted to take the Metal Roofing channel and really make it its own brand. You know, we wanted to take that and, and step just like a little bit away from the Sheffield Metals and, and salesy type feel and promote education overall. And like you said, that really opens the door for your competitors using your content, other industry leaders using your content. Uh, it, it takes away that bias that a viewer might have if they're just watching a manufacturer's video. You know, they're they're like, oh, it's a manufacturer. They got skin in the game. You know, they're, they ha- have to do this for the industry. But it, if we have a brand that is separate and can really just be all about the education, that's all it's about. Then that's going to do big things for your trustworthiness and your credibility and the industry overall.
0: Yeah. Thad I want to talk to you in a second about equipment and stuff like that. Cause I know everybody wants to know that's yes. like, that's the thing. When <laughs> they saw the title for this podcast, <clears throat> so that, that's what I want to know. But one of the cool things about production value as well is, and this shows itself because when I show people your videos that I always ask them, so w- what did this make you feel like you were watching? And almost everybody says, I feel like I was watching HGTV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's for good reason because, um, it's not only just the film, but it's the graphical elements as well. So you're really getting this, this hyper rich, uh, you know, educational experience with the addition of the graphics and things like that. Yep. So I have two questions for you. One is, do you do all those graphics yourself and do you feel like a videographer, a world-class videographer needs to also be a great designer as well?
1: Um, I do some of the graphics. I do not do all the graphics. So at Mozilla Companies, we are really fortunate to have a great marketing team and a really uh, good sense of collaboration within that team. So we have two full-time designers on staff and they do a great job with art direction, uh, graphical design elements um, and, and do a nice job of, of, of working with me and working with Devin um, and working with our with Devin our new editor uh, on creating that that direction for the piece and creating those elements so um, they do a great job with that uh, to answer your second question I think being great at video inherently comes with a design element knowing what you know looks good that is design you know knowing you know how light needs to be shaped knowing where someone should sit on the frame of a camera that's all part of design and so if you can take those elements and then transfer that into text typography shapes colors uh, and really expand your mind that way you can take what you what knowledge you already have and translate it to that And so to answer your question I, I think it is important and it should be part of the learning process to, uh, you know, you know, think about design a little bit, uh, and like I said, not just about graphical elements, but think about the the pillars of design: symmetry, hierarchy, and all the rest, and really implement those into your videos.
0: Do you feel like you did a lot of that heavy lifting for the design up front, and now you just kind of can reuse a lot of those elements, or is it still taking the same amount of time?
1: Yeah. So uh, it, it depends. Um, sometimes we'll do a whole graphics package for a series. So if we have an eight-video series, we'll do a specific graphic package for that. Um, I did a lot of graphics up front uh, with the help of our designers um, that I do reuse uh, for Q&A Mondays, um, some chapter titles, and things like that. But uh, every now and again, we'll do a refresh, uh, create some new elements, uh, put something new in there, uh, new styles, and keep it uh, you know keep it new and and interesting.
2: I'm curious to know when what you decided to change from from phase one when you came in to actually phase two when you when you had the opportunity and a little bit of a budget to make some upgrades. And I know you're a guy that probably understands that audio and lighting is, is step one, but I want to know from from your perspective, what do you think that that phase one to phase two upgrade should really look like and where should people prioritize purchases?
1: Sure. Well I can tell you what we did. And then, you know, we can work on applying that to someone else. So really, we had three phases. Uh, the first phase was the equipment that we already had. And, you know, for anyone starting out, that's that's the most important phase because that's what you have, you know. That's what you have to make your videos with. That's what you're producing with. But when once you get to a point where you're ready to take that next step, um, our phase two, we didn't have a budget. Uh, it was only the fact that uh, I came in and, and I even brought my personal camera. It was a little Canon 7D, and I shot some videos with my personal camera and I showed the difference in quality between the Canon 7D and you know the current camera that, that we were using. Um,
0: Which was like a camcorder, right? It was one it of the was. XDs. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. it was like a, a, yeah, a Canon Vixie, a camcorder. Um, and just showing that difference even between my, my personal camera uh, was huge in in, in uh, allowing our management leadership team to kind of understand, you know, why we should take this next step. And if we're really going to invest all in in video, they just hired their second videographer in myself. So, you know, it only made sense to make that uh, investment into the next next phase of our equipment. Um, and then it wasn't for another year and a half uh, of of producing with the Canon 7Ds. Um, that we really made the next step uh, and, and leveled up our cameras even more, um, and, and lighting as well. So when it comes to lighting, um, early on we had some small on-camera lights that just weren't giving us, us enough output to really do anything. So one of the most, in, it's a couple of the most important things that um, I try to communicate with lighting is: is you need um, accurate color and an output that you can do something with. And by output, I mean the amount of light that the light is throwing off. So if you have a light that's not giving you enough output, then your camera sensor is not going to be able to produce a a clean image. So those were the two things that we looked for in uh, purchasing a lighting kit.
0: How much did you invest in this? the, the phase three?
1: In phase three, we kind of went maybe around ten to thirteen thousand dollar increase, um, which, you know, is a big investment for a manufacturing company that's, you know, not an inherently a media company. But like I said, if, if if the leadership really wanted to invest and really make that next step, we are a media company. You know, we have a huge amount of content that we produce. So we're a media company and we need the tools to be able to achieve what we want. Uh, and so far like I said the the leadership team has done a great job and have been really receptive and understanding as to our needs as a department and and what we need to really make uh, you know the brand of Mozilla companies and Sheffield metals and and all the Mozilla companies you know really shine.
0: Let's say a marketing manager or CEO or, or somebody is hearing from their videographer, hey we need to upgrade our equipment. What do you think that they should be looking for to justify that? budget or that investment?
1: If the videographer is coming to someone in leadership with a request, you know, they better have some reasons and uh, an explanation, some comparisons. Even when I pitched the phase three budget um, Mm -hmm. I had, you know, a full PowerPoint with side-by-side images uh, reasons why this is going to help us now reasons why it's going to help us in the future. Um, So you definitely shouldn't spend any money Unless you know that the equipment that you're going to get is going to take you to the next level now and then what it's going to do for you in the future as well. And that's an important distinction that I don't think a lot of people tend to think about, you know, the the future return from this equipment and what that looks like.
2: Yeah, I think 100% of creators on YouTube say over and over again that getting overly worried about the equipment itself is is a lot of times how people get in that like over analysis paralysis where they don't want to start because they don't think it's going to be good enough. And that, that comes back to your first handful of videos are going to feel like they're really close to your brand because there's not a lot of other stuff out there. But once you sort of get over the hump of having so much content out there that none of it feels so heavily weighted necessarily. And you're also going to want to look at like the marketing threshold of what other people in your industry are putting out. It's not like every single industry has this really high need for a crazy high production value to just get started. Yeah. And all of that work in the forefront before you go invest a lot of money in this gives you all of the justification for why it does make sense to eventually pull the trigger on some more expensive equipment, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. And, you know, I I get this asked this all the time. I'm sure Zach and Will, you guys get asked this all the time about cameras and lighting and, and equipment and gear. Um I'd much rather talk about the emotion of the story, how to convey someone's, you know, personal story, what that looks like, how to share your brand. Um, You know, equipment's great. Equipment's super fun um, and really important. But if your video doesn't convey the message and emotion and brand that you want to, it doesn't matter about the equipment. So that's what you need to focus on first. And that's number one, no matter what.
0: Yeah. Well said. Very well said. I mean, it, it makes you think production value can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, so you're obviously making a difference that in, in your industry, you are making a difference in your company. Tell us a little bit about just how much this investment into video, into you, um, your time and energy investment into this. Tell us what it's meant. Like what, what, what is it meant to the company and where is it taking the company now?
1: Absolutely. Well, I can speak uh, for Sheffield Metals for sure. Um, you know, since we started this YouTube channel, like I said, uh, the Metal Roofing Channel has become a an industry hub for education. So not only are our customers learning about the industry, about uh, topics that they wouldn't have otherwise known about, people from, you know, our competitors are using our material to learn and educate their employees suppliers are creating courses to, um, you know, bring their employees through to, to learn about metal roofing with our content. There's industry leading associations that, you know, one of their main jobs is to provide education. And, you know, we are right there alongside of them producing this this content, sharing with the industry what we do, what metal roofing is like, how to make the industry better as a whole. And that right there has really elevated Sheffield's name to the next level and has really shown people that that Sheffield is right there along with everyone and is leading the industry and really has become that trusted source of information as we've been talking about.
0: And not only that, but I feel like internally, every company has this, this during the adoption phase, uh, this thing where not everybody is fully bought in to video, they're not fully bought into using it. This is just one more way, Thad, that you've made it so much easier for the company to embrace, because it's of such high quality. I it's—it's. Mean, it's, it, I imagine people are proud to share this stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and that collaboration with Matt Reisinger was a huge, you know, help to that as well. You know, we had people from the company that I I never really talked to that much before. Email me, call me up, say, "Hey, I saw you on Matt Reisinger's channel." You know, that's awesome. You know, we're doing great stuff. Um, you know, we've had. Uh, TV shows reach out to have us on HGTV. So it was funny you said that earlier, you know, just like that, having, you know, our company and people from our company know that and realize that, you know, wow, we're not just making metal roofing videos just on YouTube here. You know, this is, this is huge for the industry and beyond.
2: Fab, before we leave off, I want to ask you a question that I think you'd be able to have a a really Great answer for, and that is to the people that are considering starting with video, or maybe at one of the dips at the early parts of their video uh, production journey. What is some some fad and metal roofing channel advice to to help those people just streamline the beginning parts of their of their efforts to do something like what you're doing?
1: Yeah, number one is learn how to self assess, and I can't stress this enough. If you don't have the ability to understand where you are at, you're not going to be able to take the next step. And you can do this a couple different ways. Number one, you have to set aside your personal bias. So you know what you think about yourself, set that aside. Talk to some other people. You know what what they think about you. It can be really humbling. And uh, believe me, I, I've I've been humbled plenty of times. So that's a huge part of self assessment. Number two, be honest with yourself. Uh, You you know, you don't want to put up a false front for your own self and to save face for yourself because that's not going to help you grow either. Um, And then learn how to reference others' work. Uh, And I don't mean this to say, you know, copy somebody else. I mean, learn from someone else. Um, You know, learn from your heroes, but learn from your heroes' influences too. Figure out who influenced them and, and learn how... You know your heroes grew up and and, and learned and, and why they got to that place. That's going to be huge in in learning uh, reference material and learning how to self assess as well. And um, I feel like it's I feel like it's my job to say this here, and we we've, we've touched on it before, but uh, I'd be doing the topic a disservice if I didn't mention it. Don't get bogged down by the technical details early. Make sure you're conveying the proper message and then use the technical details to support that message. That's all they're there for. The technical details are there so people can see you and hear you. But the reason people want to see you and hear you is because of what you have to say and what they think you have to say. So that would be my advice for someone starting out and, and really getting into this video journey.
0: Thad, uh, this has been enormously valuable. I really appreciate you being willing to come on the show today. Listeners, take note of everything Thad just shared with us. Thad is, in my mind, no doubt in the top 10 in-house videographers in the world. And I'm not just talking about they ask you answer. I mean, Thad is, he's become this spokesperson for the company, for his industry. The value uh, that he brings with his videos and the content and the production is, is something we can all look to. Thad, if somebody wanted to reach out to you and ask you a question or anything like that, where could they find you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, search me on LinkedIn, Thad Barnett, uh, you know, send me a message, send me an email. I'd love to talk with you. Um, I really enjoy, you know, getting to know other people and, and helping people out and just, you know, talking about this. It's a great industry. You know, marketing is awesome. Video is fun. Uh, so I love talking about it. And, uh, you know, if you really want to learn about video and uh, what that means for marketing and inbound and they ask you answer, you're watching this video and other Film School for Marketers podcasts, then you're on the right track. So uh, subscribe here and keep checking them out.
0: Thank you, Thad. We appreciate you all tuning in today. We're honored to be a part of your video journey. If you have questions, comments, please leave those down in the comment section below. Make sure you subscribe, as Thad said, and like this video if you enjoyed it. Until we see you next time, keep learning.